feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. I've had social anxiety like my whole life. It was really taking the toll on me when I was younger. So I had to talk to a lot of people. I had medication to get to where I'm at. Hey everyone, welcome back to Really Mental, where we want you to know no matter who you are or what you're going through, you're not alone. Today we have an amazing guest, Versace, who makes amazing music. And today we're going to be talking about creativity and how his emotions have affected his creativity. If you guys can please go like, subscribe, follow us on all platforms where you listen to podcasts and on Instagram at Really Mental Podcast, that'd be amazing. I want to start it off, Will. How do you maintain creativity? Definitely. And for everyone tuning in, remember to rate us five stars if you're vibing with the podcast. I think for me, creativity, it's an interesting one because mentally, to be creative and to have ideas and be in that headspace, it is simply that you are in your head coming up with different almost stories and building a place for things, whether whether it's a song, an idea you have for painting, a movie concept. It is very much in the head. And I think the thing that I'm very excited to hear from Versace is how he manages that. We've also been in the real world where it's okay to have that in the studio or where you are trying to come up with ideas. But when you're in the real world, you want to be present. And sometimes that anxiety can actually stem from just living in our head too long. And it's important to have that separation and that balance mentally. I haven't heard people speak about that, but as an artist myself, I have definitely dealt with that. It's weird for me to go and say hi and be in public after being in the studio for like 10 hours because I'm like in a certain headspace. Meditation has helped me a lot with that though. So I'm very excited to hear from Versace. What's something you're keen to learn today, Harry, around the topic of creativity? Just his journey and how his emotions kind of can affect his creativity because obviously they're two separate things, but they're intertwined because his music is so personal and so deep. Mm -hmm. I want to know how his emotions affect the way he creates. For everyone listening, you can channel that. You know, maybe you are creative and you just haven't realized it yet. We all experience emotions and feelings. So hopefully our intention today is that you can learn maybe a a way of portraying what you're going through in a in a creative way, whether it is a song or a poem. Very excited. And we're gonna welcome Versace to this really mental show. Big warm welcome. Hey everyone. We have a really mental show on the Amazon AMP app. We're going to be hosting live conversations with some of your favorite guests, including some of the ones on here. Make sure you go follow us on the Amazon AMP app at Really Mental. And we want you to know that no matter who you are, you're not alone. Hopefully we'll see you on Amazon AMP at 7 p.m. PT, 10 p.m. ET every Sunday. All right, see you then, beautiful human. Welcome. Zach, Zachy Poo to the podcast, also known as Versace. Very excited to have you here today, man. How are you going? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Oh, my gosh. So I'm Zach, but yeah, my alias is Versace. Zach Farash is another alias I have like from way back. But yeah, no, I just make music. I'm a producer and artist putting out just different music, and it's been fun. Love it. Straight off the bat, what's your favorite song you've ever produced or made? my latest release that I did, which is called Caffeine. That's my favorite so far. It's a good thing to put out a song and it being your favorite song. 
I feel like so far, I feel like that's a good feeling because it's, it's not always like that. It's like you'll put something out that's old, you know? So I'm really liking that one. And this song called Evil, that's on my album from like last year. I, I just really like the guitar line in it that I made. You do have a lot of songs that you've written both for yourself and, and worked on for other people. And I'm keen to get into those later because today we're talking about creativity. So everything around that, we're going to be learning more about Zaki Poo's creative process, how to get over roadblocks as a creative. I wanted to bring things back though to the start. Could you describe yourself as a kid? What were you like? I was very, I would say attention seeking in the way that I wanted to make people laugh and I wanted to see a, a reaction. I just wanted people to like me. It wasn't like attention seeking in the way that I would do mischievous things to get attention or anything like that. But I was like the nerdy kid that just wanted to fit in. When show and tell came around, I was like, this is my chance to prove myself. And maybe I'll just hit one thing and everyone will be like, whoa, dude, this guy is dope. but going back to it do you feel has there been something growing up that helped you understand yourself more how have you sort of reached that place today where you feel more comfortable you don't have to seek as much attention i mean everyone has a different path obviously but i don't know it's interesting because it's it's like when i'm growing up i kind of I didn't know where I was going to go or like how I would proceed with like my journey of like self-discovery and whatnot. And even though it's not something that I'm actively thinking about at the time, it's something that just happens to everyone. I guess you start to figure yourself out and what works for you, what doesn't, what makes you happy. When I was in high school, that's when I began to do music. I started producing on my computer. My point is that I found like a passion and joy for music. And that was something that I fell in love with, like, and something that I really learned to love. And then when that kind of turned into a career later, later down the road, you know, way further down, it helped me figure out like, okay, so now I'm focusing on music for all this time. (laughs) Now I'm like, oh, wait, what about me? I started to really pay attention to me. I learned about myself a lot. And like in the past four years, that's been a lot. I would even say two years, I think a lot of self-discovery and just like learning what what is good for me and not. But I think that I'm in a good place now. How did it start for you at 14? Before I really got into music, it was DJing. And I DJed weddings and house parties as like a 13, 14 year old as well. So I'm interested for you, what, what started that dive into music? Was it simply listening to music or something else? It was... SoundCloud producers because I was listening to a lot of SoundCloud stuff that was just like hip hop influence, but like very electronic too. I found that stuff really cool to me, just like even swing in music. I didn't really understand, but like in like rhythm and stuff like that, I thought was super sick. But yeah, no stuff like that. Just like the fact that people were posting their own songs online and I was listening to them like, whoa, I wish I was that guy. I personally felt like when I was that age, I was constantly trying to be seen as something or like trying to be represented by something in a certain way that I thought was cool. I wanted to be great at one thing. I thought that was going to be basketball. The only trouble with that is I was like 5'1 on the basketball court. And to make it to the NBA, you have to be six foot and above. I'm almost there now, but I've stopped growing. So I ended up doing music because of that. And I think part of it I realized was to be seen and to 
initially impressed some people as well, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's like a bunch of different things that stem from that. But like, it's hilarious you say that because I had the exact same situation, dude. I was obsessed with basketball, like for the last two years of high school to the point where I was like, I'm like, these are my last two years of high school. I better go hard because I got to go pro. Looking back, it's hilarious because I was so delusional, bro. But it was like a dope amount of delusion, healthy delusion to the point where I was pushing myself so hard in like a good way. I was like every day after school, I'm like, got to work on my fadeaway. (laughs) I'm like, like, I got to get to the gym after after class. I got to do some layups because, man, I was a little rough the other day. (laughs) Did you get good at least? Yeah, did you almost go pro? I did not almost go pro at all. (laughs) (laughs) On a serious note though, did you ever think about mental health when you were younger and growing up in high school? Yeah, I did. I definitely thought about it. It was a big part of my younger life, I I would say. I had a lot of problems with like mental health for sure. I actually saw, I think it was a psychologist for like 10 years, I saw one, which is a long ass time. But I used to go every week in the morning before school. And I just used to talk about shit with this guy. He would just try to get me to say things to like talk about my feelings and stuff like that. And I'd be like, can we play a game or like something like that? But he had tactics to get me to like talk about stuff. But yeah, no, I was scared of a lot of things. That's a thing that still is with me. It's just like an anxiety kind of thing. I've had social anxiety like my whole life, like a a huge amount of my life. I've gotten past it like severely, but it was really taking the toll on me for a majority of my life when I was younger. So I had to talk to a lot of people. I had medication for it. So mental health was a big, a big thing when I was, when I was younger. And it took me a while to get to where I'm at mentally. I am grateful that I have parents that were even like willing to get me the help that I needed or people to talk to at such a young age because it got me comfortable with opening up eventually after like the years of neglect being like, Oh my God, uh, it's like 7am. I don't want to like go to therapy, but yeah, now I'm at a good place with it. But yes, I think that mental health is crazy important for so many people, especially now for sure. I agree with you on the point of like feeling comfortable. I think it's really important for people and kids and everyone talking about like their own personal struggles to feel comfortable in a space. And that's the hardest part. Once you feel comfortable, I feel like you're able to share a lot more and kind of deal with the issues face on. But getting to that place of comfortability is really hard. What were some of the things during that time, apart from social anxiety, that you were dealing with? And how did you get to a place of feeling comfortable? A lot of the things that I would have are. For people that are not familiar with like what it's like, personally, it would be like just nonsensical thoughts that they come out of nowhere and you think that they feel very real, but they actually are not. And they're just like making your, they're just all your insecurities going crazy in your head. That was something that I would struggle with a lot is that I'd be, let's say, I'd, I'd never go to parties. Never. I hated it because I was so scared of people. And just what they would think, and, and which is something that you, it's impossible to know unless you're talking to them, which I never was. What would happen is that I'd go somewhere, I'd look at someone's face, and then immediately, like, if someone was just, like, thinking for a second and looking in a direction, I'd be like, oh, my God, they hate me. The biggest thing I would say is to look for 
evidence slash proof that they hate you. That's how I kind of surpassed it was that after a while, I'm like, do any of these thoughts have evidence or any proof that these are legit, that they make sense at all? And once I like run it through that filter, I kept doing it to the point where I was like, damn, it seems like 80% of my thoughts have no evidence <laughs> or, or proof. So yeah, it was pretty big. That was a big game changer for me. So many points you mentioned, I think I, I experienced very similarly what you said about realizing your thoughts, you know, are they true? That's a mind blowing place to reach, you know? I remember when I had that realization as well, it was probably when I was 18 or 19, I was really struggling with anxiety, particularly social anxiety as well. And I just realized that the story I was telling myself I could change and that blew my mind. I thought I was the person and I couldn't change that. Like, you know, the way I thought of myself, I thought I couldn't change that. So what you mentioned there, I completely relate to that. Would you say that the hardest part of social anxiety is the feelings that come after it, like such as shame for feeling anxious? Or would it be something else for you? It was more so like I'd never really felt, I wouldn't say shame for feeling anxious or the way I felt. I would say that I felt like uh, I wasn't even in the mentality to think that or to be like, to be like, I have shame for this, but it'd be like, I didn't understand that there was another way of thinking, I guess. For instance, uh, let's say I don't want to go to a party. And the reason is because I'm scared of everyone. And I'm scared of feeling anxious around everyone. What do I say to you? What do I say to you? Are those the cool kids just overthinking all these possibilities that like, I don't know. And are the reason that I don't go. I end up doing other things and I and my life ends up ends up becoming like something else without those things. Like obviously I didn't need to go to the party, but I missed out on things, you know? No, the reason I ask is because for me, I think for my social anxiety and my journey with it, shame I realized later and more recently actually was a big part of my struggle with anxiety. I'd feel anxious, say in a conversation or yeah, speaking to someone new, I wanted to please them and have them like me. After that experience, I would feel shame and also guilt for feeling those things in the first place, which is a constant cycle. So it's interesting to just hear you speak about it and see how it's a slightly different experience you have had with you know the same type of overarching mental health issue. One thing for me is I did not want to be considered awkward. I remember one time someone said, oh, you were really awkward in that thing. And that like almost broke me, bro. I felt so much shame around that. I was just like, oh, am I that guy? I didn't want to be that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I literally, oh, yeah. I went to therapy. The only reason I went to therapy and started this mental health journey at the start was because I turned around and someone I thought was a close friend said, wow, you're really awkward. It literally broke me and sent me into depression. For you, how were the people around you during that time? Were they supportive? Or did you have someone saying similar things to you like happened to me? What was that process like? That's such a wild thing because it's super relatable. Like I relate to that awkward thing like heavy because I feel like nobody wants to be told that, especially at that age. I feel like no one's going to be like, I'm that awkward guy. No one wants to assume that character, you know, whether I feel like no. it's just for anyone in general. No, it's facts. It's it's huge. A lot of my friends, like my closer friends, 
I had a mixed friend group, but a lot of my friends were kind of on the same page as me, I think, or like kind of feeling the same things as me when it came to going out to these things. Like some of my closer friends kind of were just like also on the social anxiety type of thing. (laughs) At least my brain liked to think that to make me feel like I'm not the only one. But I did have some friends that in other friend groups that were like popular friend groups that were less awkward or more sociable. That was something where I was like, I felt uncomfortable because I can't be that. I can't hang out with those people. I can't reach that. I think that friend actually told me that I was super awkward (laughs) at one point. That's just a shitty thing to say to anyone. And to be honest, I don't think he knew that that would be offensive. It's kind of like they are saying that from a place of like, they don't understand your side of things. They're like, oh, it, I'm just saying it as I saw it, which, which is another side of things that I didn't really understand until much later. But yeah. What were some of the things your therapist told you that helped you with your social anxiety and some of the things that you found were the best for dealing with it? One of the main things was the, uh, the evidence thing. He had to remind me that almost every session. He's like, so what's up, Zach? And then I'd say like, I was in class, the teacher gave me a look and I think she really hates me. I think this teacher hates me as well as this teacher. So I'm scared to go to school tomorrow. Things like that would happen every week. And he would be like, Zach, where is the evidence about that? You know, like makes that real to you. And then I would search for that and be like, well, the fact that this thought, this provoked thought was provoked by a glance (laughs) <laughs> and like the rest was just my my ideas. It almost had nothing to do with the other person is nuts. So it took me a bit, but I, I got a grasp of that one, which helped me a lot, as well as a medication actually did help me a little bit. When I started taking meds for ADHD, surprisingly also helped me a little bit. Overall, I think it was, it's more so, more so like understanding that if someone even, even if someone did have a problem with me and didn't like me, which was like my biggest fear. Chances of it being that way, it's their problem and it's something they're projecting onto you. Like it's something that you didn't cause because I know that I wouldn't actually do anything to cause that. I literally went out of my way. (laughs) I went out of my way to make sure I didn't cause anything to piss anyone off. I would shine your damn shoes if you asked me, dude. Like that was my, my mentality. Uh, at the time. So just kind of understanding that it's more of a thinking too much. You need to write down what's true and what's not. I love that. We have not heard that on the podcast so far. And I think that's an incredible point because Searching for the evidence in things also brings us out of our heads and into reality because we're thinking about the present moment. Okay, what's true, what's not? So we actually have to be present for that instead of being stuck in that thought when that person gave you the glance. So I think even that dude will help so many people hearing that. How do you keep that habit of even waking up at 7.30 and going for 10 years? Like that deserves props, you know? Like how did you keep that going? Definitely wasn't my idea. (laughs) Uh, It was definitely forced to by my parents at the time. I think it's interesting because it took me so long to even reap the benefits 
of that because I was so against it. I was like, you, this guy, <laughs> I remember one day after a session, I was like, mom, he is so weird. And, and she's like, why? And she, I was like, he's asking me personal questions about myself. That's so, so weird and uncomfortable. And she was like, that's why you're going, Zach. That's, that's why you're going. <laughs> the thing is that like, once I did learn what it could do for me, that's when I was like, yo, this is something that I need to do. Not just for, oh, just for my well-being. It, it's more for like, dude, this literally helps so much because like, it's like, would you rather wake up every day feeling like shit? Or would you rather wake up the next day feeling a little bit better? <laughs> you know and growing as a person i think as a creative too i can definitely say like yes. for me meditation i found was really helpful for those intrusive thoughts because i couldn't separate my space from writing a song to like being in real life again because i would keep thinking about scenarios that could happen and they're sort of linked right like you have to be able to think of scenarios and things to produce to write songs so how has that whole process been for you now as a creative how are you giving yourself that balance to sort of check out of that headspace where you do have to think about where you want to go with something and be in your head a bit in the creative stage? It's an interesting thing to like separate two mind states and kind of have a, uh, and it's something honestly I haven't even thought about too. I'm actually glad you brought it up because it's not something I've even thought about so deeply. I feel like I've thought a lot more about other things like, oh, making sure that I have this time for work and this time for chill, you know, just making time for things in real life, like not even in talking about my head. <laughs> I also meditate, like I started meditating and I, I think it's helped me so much just to even have these conversations comfortably. I think meditation has made it a lot easier for me to even channel and understand parts of me that I didn't before, you know? But yeah, I think that when it comes to like making music, it's hard to think about it because sometimes I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to understand what I'm thinking <laughs> sometimes, but it's more so on the lyrical side of things. When I start thinking about like scenarios and shit and, and trying to think about real life shit, just try to like whatever's happening now, that doesn't necessarily have to be like always. It's something that I'm thinking and learning from. Maybe in, in a couple months, I'll have like a better answer on like how I can kind of separate those two things and kind of understanding each. How does the way you're feeling affect your art? If you're feeling sad, do you usually make a sad song? How does that like direct your process? That's, this is actually an interesting one because I like definitely only made music at one point because I was like, oh, I'm a sad. I'm sad and I just need to make music. This is a little bit of a sad topic. I would say that where my energy stems from, from making music, at one point when I first started, it kind of came from a place of just pain and kind of just being like, yo, I'm never going to have anything good in life. Just like beating myself down and kind of being like, oh, everything sucks. I might as well make music about it and make something good out of it. So that's kind of where it stems from. But I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm actually happy now. I kind of had to reroute myself and create a new source of a new foundation for making music, a foundation that is positive, you know, something that's not made of pain and like, <laughs> and just like sadness, because you can't use that for the rest of your life. That's not sustainable. I want to be honest with my music. I want to be honest always. And I feel like that's how you make the best music. 
Would you say those two separate chapters in terms of how you wrote artistically separates the Zach Farage era with the Versace era? Is that the difference or is that something else? The Zach Farage era is an interesting era because that was just me trying out ukulele stuff. I was just like, I got a ukulele one day and I was like, I want to make songs. I want to try to produce with this and try to make songs with it. I was scared that my audience would hate it. So even though this is entirely counterintuitive, I made a new account under my real name and I started posting those. So my first account was, my first artist name was Versace, always. And then I made a Zach Farage page being like, oh, nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows my real name, so I can just post whatever here. And then it ended up doing really well. <laughs> I was like, shit, uh, this is like really awkward. And I moved everything to the Versace shit. And then at some point in there, there is a switch and you'll see it like if you look through my discography. With your anxiety, and obviously you're in a better place with it today, but for collaborating with other artists, it's quite a vulnerable process, even when it's done online, even when you're sending something, because it's putting your sort of heart out there. What's it like when you're collaborating with people like Aiden Bissett? You know, you produced on a Young Thug Mac Miller record, which is insane. Congrats. Thanks, man. What's it like when you're going through the collaboration process mentally? It's been a learning experience working with people, whether it's online or in person. I think those are two, which are two very different things. I started off by producing with people online. Actually, I would basically like 2015, we would send project files back and forth, just producers and just do like random shit. I was kind of familiar with it from the get go. But when it came to doing sessions in real life and like in person, I felt like I had to literally relearn how to make music. As a person that, you know, is anxious <laughs> a lot of the time, I'm in the room with someone else. It felt like like I really had never made music with people in the room. It's such a different experience. Yeah, man. It was pretty terrifying and it's it's one of those things where it's like I couldn't wait to get out. <laughs> like so yeah, that's how it started. But I got to the point where I just learned that, you know what, dude, don't get caught up on like one thing. If you have an idea or you have one thing that you know how to do and you know how to do it well, do it and just do it right away or just do it when you can, like when it's your turn, you know, not getting too caught up with it, but in remembering to have a good time and talk to the person you're working with often. I think that that made it like a lot easier for me is to like realize, oh, this is another human being. We're just two bros being dudes, (laughs) like, you know. In the next 12 months, like what do you want to achieve and what are your goals? In the next 12 months, I've been, I'm going to probably be working on putting out a project. I'm not sure if it's going to be an EP or an album yet, but there's something in the works for sure. And I've been working on a lot more music videos, which is uh, really exciting for me. And I have a tour, a European tour that I'm going on with Aries in uh, August, which is going to be dope. It's going to be a busy, a busy next 12 months, I think. Just going to make as much music as I can and collaborate. With Aries and that tour, is that your first time going on the road like that? It's a pretty heavy tour. Lots of dates. Yeah, that's going to be my first uh, time going on a tour like that in Europe. I first toured September to end of November. 
when I went on tour with uh, Surfaces for their tour in that time, that was super sick, but exhausting. I got laryngitis. So I had to jump off the tour. I literally sounded like a smoker of like 40 years. From a personal perspective for your own mental health, like what are your goals for the next 12 months within that area? I think that I'm on a good path right now. Um, but I think just to keep up on my meditation and physical activity, being like open with people, always speaking, if I need to talk about things, not keeping anything in. Like these are things that I've been working on for a while and I find like have helped me a lot. I'm pretty much just like sober. I kind of quit everything. I plan to keep it that way. That's really what I got. I got going for the, the next 12 months and just looking out for me and the homies mentally. That's always what I wanted to do. So, Hey, I wanted to finish this episode with Versace with a question that I've been asking recently, Harry. Maybe you're going to get a feel for what it's going to be. So we asked K-pop idol, shout out Neve. When was the last time you cried and what was it about? Last time I cried was early March, I think. I got a really heartfelt text message, really long, heartfelt text message, and I cried. It was good. It was nice. If you were to rank it on your cries, you know, 10 being a good cry for a good, you know, you feel love and zero being like you're sad and depressed, and it probably ranks higher to the 10, right? That sounds closer to it. It was like a wild feeling because it was like a bittersweet, but like, Good and overall. So I would say it's a, I would give it a seven, eight. <laughs> I love that. I love that for us. We're ranking the cries. <laughs> you know, by doing this, Will, by asking these questions, you know what I realized? What's that? People don't cry that much. I thought it was yeah. normal to cry so much more. That's why it's so interesting. This is really weird because now I feel like I'm like an alien. I'm like, everyone's <laughs> saying they've like cried like six months ago or like three months ago or like two months ago. Three years. We had three yeah, years. three years. Yeah. Like, One and I'm person. like, bro, come on. Like, and every time Will asks me, it's like, bro, yesterday, day <laughs> yeah, yesterday like two days ago. Um, and I feel like everyone's going to think I'm like depressed or something, but I'm not. I'm actually really happy and I'm doing a, a lot of things. I just cry and I don't know why... People don't cry. But anyway. That's why it's an interesting question because you clearly see everyone has slightly different approaches to crying. You know, I cried, last time I cried was end of November last year. It's been an amazing year this year. I've been waiting for to rank my next cry out of 10 and it hasn't come along. You're you're holding it. You're holding your next cry. Honestly, that one was probably, I mean, in terms of actually like letting go of emotion, that was incredible. It was definitely on the sadder side of things for me, but it was just a really tough year last year for me. And I cried about, uh, I just felt like I was really unsure about the future, you know, whether music would be something I'd do another year with or, and we, I had a lot of health issues as well. So I was like, fuck, thank you so much for your time today, man. And you're a really good, you got a really good vibe and energy. So just make sure you hold on to that, dude. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the love. You guys are really nice people. You guys are like freaking best dudes I've ever spoken to online. Wow, that was a really interesting episode. And I feel as though on Really Mental, we had some perspectives like we do with every guest that we haven't heard before around anxiety and creativity. 
I wanted to open it up. Harry, how did you find that? And what is one awesome thing that you learned from speaking with Versace? I think the biggest thing was when he's going through those stages of social anxiety and he's talking to his therapist and like thinking those inner thoughts, taking it back and going, where's the evidence? And I think that was a really interesting point of view that he said, because a lot of the time we can get carried away with our thoughts to come up with these crazy stories that have nothing to do with what reality is. And if we bring ourselves back, we're able to go, where in this whole timeline did they even do what we said they did? And how does that mean that? Like, how did they even show that? And you, most of the time we'll realize that's ridiculous. Why am I thinking that? That's stupid. Like bring yourself back. I'm just getting overwhelmed for no reason. And I think that's a really important thing to maintain and to remind yourself when you're thinking those thoughts and going through those things. I think the hardest part though with that is remembering to do it and being consistent with it, which is what we spoke about as well. For you, Will, how have you been able to be consistent in everything that you're doing in those type of practices? You know, it's that analogy, you can lead someone to water, but they have to want to drink it. And I think it's the same here. I think at the right time, there becomes a point where something happens where you go, okay, I'm really going to follow through with this because I don't want that experience or that anxiety I felt then to ever happen again the way it did. Unfortunately, and the thing we're trying to solve with Really Mental is a lot of people growing up like us have to hit a brick wall first to be able to see that and have to hit rock bottom. I definitely did before I learned this. And so I think the thing for me is realizing what I wanted to grow in and having a vision for the person you want to become, and you will inevitably find the habits which help enable you to do that. For me, I wanted to become more confident. So I worked with a psychologist and I also did meditation to calm myself down. And so with that vision I had in my, in my head for of the person I wanted to become, it really helped me to achieve that. I want to mention everyone, if you have enjoyed this episode or if you think it could help someone you know, please send it to your friend or a family member and uh, hopefully it can help them with what they're going through too. You know, life can be great. We're all trying to work on things to become the best versions of ourselves. So hopefully this conversation did that for you today. Thank you for making it this far. It's really an attribute to who you are as a person. We want to remind you to rate this five stars, share it, subscribe, and follow us on all socials at Really Mental Podcast. Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you next week for a very exciting guest. We love the person that is coming on, so can't wait for you to join us then. Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. If you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course. Feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help. That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that.